Hello, a warm welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations podcast, a weekly podcast aimed at bridging climate communication gaps in Africa. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwam. Now, this week, as we almost wind up the series on COP26, Dr. Mahamadou Bambasila, who is the Canada African Institute for Mathematical Sciences Research Chair in Climate Change Sciences, is here with us. Dr. Bambasila, who is also an intergovernmental panel on climate change author, will be telling us his thoughts as a scientist on the Glasgow Climate Pact. Thank you so much, Dr. Bambasila, for joining us. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure, Sophie. Yeah, fantastic. I'm wondering for you as a scientist, given the Glasgow Climate Pact, and given that we already know, as far as the IPCC is concerned, that human influence is responsible for the warming that we've actually seen on this continent, what is your take on the Glasgow Climate Pact, given the IPCC finding? Thank you very much, Sophie. So let me start by uh, saying what do we have in terms of... uh, are decreasing or phasing our greenhouse gas emissions. Mm-hmm. We have uh, many nations that made announcements that uh, they will uh, phase down uh, fossil fuel in general. So, yeah. and uh, yeah. which is a good thing. So, but these are just promises for me until they make it uh, formal and put it in the national determined contributions or NDC for full reporting and accountability. So it remains promises, right? But if they do that, if they really meet their commitments, so that would put the world on track for uh, 2.4 degrees Celsius of global warming, Mm. which is uh, 0.3 decreases before the COP26, right? Because before the COP26, the world was on track for uh, 2.7 degrees Celsius global warming. Mm -hmm. And for me, this is largely insufficient because then we know emissions has to be cut down quickly to meet uh, 1.5 degrees Celsius. So we know the recently released IPCC report. So the report from the working group one, which deal with the physical science basis is clear about that. So we need immediate, rapid and large scale reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah. If we don't do that, so limiting warming to close to 1.5 degrees Celsius or two degrees Celsius will be beyond average. So, for me, in that sense, the Glasgow Climate Pact is a, is a total failure in terms of uh, reaching net zero emissions or even limiting the world global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. Mm. At Glasgow, we saw one of four countries, among them EU and USA, saying that they're going to cut their methane emissions by at least 30% by 2030. As a scientist, an IPCC author, does this raise hopes in terms of you know, moving into the right direction? Yeah, yeah. First of all, we have to understand one thing. Methane, in terms of a global warming potential, mm-hmm. is much more dangerous than carbon dioxide, right? At the molecular basis. Mm-hmm. Because the molecule of methane can trap heat as if it was, uh, let's say, 25 or 26 molecules of uh, carbon dioxide. And this is at the time scale of 100 years, but when you take it to a time scale of 20 years, so methane can trap heat as much as more than 80 molecules of carbon dioxide. So, so then methane is, is a much more dangerous greenhouse gas. So uh, decreasing the amount of, of methane emissions so is a very, very good thing. 
So that's for sure really is a, the global warming. One of the things that came out of climate and development meetings that was actually held in Cabo Verde was that Africa would actually push for mining of its natural gas. As you know, Africa is very rich when it comes to this fossil fuel and not just fossil fuel, but green minerals that are critical for a green revolution. But one of the arguments that Africa has is that they want to have the leeway to mine their natural gas and they will use this natural gas as a base load and this base load will actually catalyze the uptakes of renewable energy. And natural gas mm-hmm. is basically needed. So if Africa explodes its natural gas, what are the dangers in future? So, you know, before, uh, I mean, if you go back before in time, so the issue was carbon dioxide because we got, uh, and we're still having a lot of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, so driving the global warming. So methane amount was uh, very small compared to that of carbon dioxide. Now methane concentration in, uh, is on the rise. And uh, as I told you previously, this is a very much dangerous greenhouse gas compared to uh, CO2. Yeah, if Africa mines the natural gas, so for sure, uh, methane emission is going to, to increase, right? Mm-hmm. And this will increase the concentration of uh, greenhouse gas in the atmosphere and for sure, this will increase the global warming. Why are we seeing a rise in methane gases at this particular time? Methane emissions come from fossil fuel. They can come from agricultural byproduct, waste disposal and treatment, land use and biomass burning, but also residential, commercial and other activities, right? Mm. So if you break it down, so we know that uh, production, storage, processing, transmission, and even distribution of natural gas emit uh, methane, right? So we also have the composition of organic matters in wetlands. We also have rice paddies, we have landfills, because they might, you know, termite digestive systems release methane. We have uh, cows or uh, some animals uh, digestive system also that, uh, that emit methane. And we also have methane which are trapped in the ice at the tundra uh, you know, next uh, next to the poles and all of those kind of things. So methane is on the rise because we are exploiting more and more uh, natural gas. So we're having uh, uh, agriculture going on and we're having livestock uh, systems everywhere. We're having melting of uh, ice sheets, sea ice and all those kind of things as well. So all of these, of course, contribute to uh, increase the emission of methane uh, globally. If Africa wants to also go to, to mine the, the natural gas and then uh, uh, process it, store it, or even distribute it, so we'll be having some leakings, we're having some emissions, we're having uh, amount of methane increasing in the atmosphere and uh, definitely increasing greenhouse gas effect and then global warming. One of the interesting things that the scientific community said at Glasgow is that the largest emitters can actually reduce their emissions by a factor of 30 and the poor nation can increase their emissions by a factor of three for the world to stay within the global carbon budget in a fair way. Can you break this down for us? Yes, we have a carbon budget that can help us keeping global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. We also have a carbon budget that can help us keeping global warming to two degrees Celsius. Now, right now, to keep ourselves uh, at 1.5 degrees Celsius, we need to, to have annual emissions of 42 gigatons. And uh, we are far from that right now, okay? Uh, so if definitely we have, you know, there's a kind of compensation. So at some, uh, the 
one the one person richest nation can can cut the emissions by 30 percent and then we'll stay below the carbon budget and this will give room to uh, uh, to developing nations to actually increase uh, the emissions because of uh, it's about climate justice it's about right to develop and uh food i think is needed in develop, developing countries to actually which uh, transition towards the carbon emission. And finally, Dr. Omasilam, how are African scientists contributing to not only the policies, but basically contributing to the UNFCCC process in terms of the findings that the negotiators are using to be able to actually push for the African agendas? Right now, taking the example of myself, right now, the only way I'm contributing or I'm helping uh, Africa in the negotiation is throughout our contribution to IPCC, and the Government of Climate Change Working Group report, and uh, throughout our publications. Also, I don't know whether our publications that I used to prepare the African group of negotiators to negotiate. So I have no information about that. But we're actually producing knowledge about how global warming is impacting Africa in, in, in many ways. We also are training the next generation of scientists, because this is great because uh, if Africa has an agenda, if Africa has fundings to uh, go to low carbon transition, and then uh, if Africa also wants to dive into long-term adaptations, we need human resources, right? So we're actually contributing to that too. But what actually could be good in terms of African scientists contributing to the negotiation is to have direct link with African group of negotiators, right? So opening a channel of dialogue between African climate scientists, like those scientists who actually assess those scientists who contributed to IPCC, who actually assess the science of climate change, linking them to African group of negotiators can be only benefit for Africa because then the African group of negotiators will know all the problematic about climate change and how this is impacting Africa. So in general, what we have, information that we have and we hear everywhere when policymakers are talking is, is too general. So we don't know how this is going to impact our, our sector. So I think uh, some studies uh, need to be commissioned about that. And I think a core team of uh, African scientists should be put together uh, to actually help and uh, train, uh, prepare uh, our negotiators. Mm. We have the IPCC findings and we have a chapter on Africa. Apart from relying on IPCC, it is important for Africa to actually do re- scientific research in terms of understanding specific sectors, how they'll be impacted in terms of different degrees. Yes. So as you said, IPCC is there. You can rely on IPCC. It's a natural observer and uh, only interested in science. So I worked on, the, uh, on this working group one report of the IPCC at the chapter 12 and I led the development of the section, Africa section. We have information there, that's right. Have some information there, but we have a lot, a lot of information which are, which are lacking, all right? So we have lack of information on many industries that, that can be very useful for our development sectors. So the issue of 1.5 degrees Celsius, 2 degrees Celsius, 3 degrees Celsius, 4 degrees Celsius, 5 degrees Celsius, how this is impacting our development sectors like energy, health, uh, agriculture, water resources. So in terms of indices, because remember we assess the physical science basis. So in, ter- in terms of indices, right? How the indices which are relevant to those sectors are going to change depending on different level of global warming is lacking in Africa. 
Uh, we have very few information on that. And uh, the IPCC report does not provide any comprehensive uh, explanation about, about this either. Mr. we have to end it there. Thank you so much for your time. But before you go, what is your final word? Yeah, thank you very much, Sophie, too. It's, it's always a pleasure. So my final word is we need to take decision in Africa based on science, all right? So we cannot prescribe solutions to a problem that we don't understand. So we need more science and we need more coordination for these uh, negotiations because as you've seen it, the Africa voice has been marginalized at the end of COP during the final deliberations, you see. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a very, very sad story. Mm -hmm. So we need more science and we need more coordination. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sophie. Thanks. That was Dr. Bambasila, the Canada-Africa Institute for Mathematical Sciences Research Chair in Climate Change Science. Remember, you can access all the previous episodes on our website, www.africaclimateconversations.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and all other major channels you access your other podcasts. But for now, have a lovely week ahead. Kwaheri, my name is Sokimbogwa. Mm-hmm.